This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Today we continue working through different resolutions that we hope are are helpful as we approach a new year where we... Take seriously the call of God's word that we're to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our of our Savior Jesus Christ. And um, personally, we want to live that out. And we pray that in the places that we have been called to do ministry, that we also help those that we're called to serve to to do that as well. So in our churches, our desire is for the people in our church to to grow in grace, to grow in their knowledge of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we hope that this podcast is doing the same thing. Our the name of the show is The Gospel for Life. And what we want is to see gospel truth, gospel principles come into the hearts and minds of our listeners and then be manifested in their life. So these resolutions are not meant to be condescending. Mm-hmm. They're they're meant to be encouragements to 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 foster greater faithfulness. So, hopefully, you're hearing them that way. Today, the fourth resolution we're going to is be committed to prayer and Bible reading. So, a couple questions first: Why should we care about both prayer and Bible reading for our day to day living? I think first, oh, go ahead, John. I, I would just address first prayer. Prayer is something that's uh, spirit enabled. It's a it's a cry of God's uh, adoptive sons and daughters. You know, crying out, seeking their Father's glory, asking Him for uh, those things which He has promised, being thankful for them. It's a very important part of uh, the Christian discipleship and Christian growth. Yeah, I think it, we should be concerned with prayer because Christ was concerned with prayer. We saw him often withdraw by himself to pray in times, uh, particularly when the burdens of ministry were great. And you might say, well, that's a it seems like a poor time to withdraw and pray. There's crowds gathered and there's plentiful needs, and yet Jesus mm-hmm. was diligent to take time away, to step, to be in the Father's presence, so much so that the disciples um, begged of him to have him teach them to pray in the manner in which he did. And so... Even if you just take the the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer and you allow those to frame the, the your prayer time, one of the strategies we, we use as a church um, with that is we take those six petitions and we we, we mark them uh, through the week. So we take one one petition a day, and then by the time we're, we've worked our way through the prayer, it's Sunday, and we get to worship again, and then our week starts fresh. Mm-hmm. Both prayer and Bible reading are really ultimately about communion, is fellowship yeah. with God. Yeah. And simplistically, you can say that reading God's word is hearing God speak to us through his word and spirit, and our prayer is us speaking and communing with God. And so it's a dialogue. It's this communication that, and if if we're in a relationship with God, it should be like the other relationships of importance in our life, that we want to daily commune. We want to have fellowship with the one that we love. And so I, 
I don't want you to feel like this is a duty, right? This it should be more of a delight. This is this is a a fostering of a relationship. Yeah, if you pulled out your Bible and you you could you can pick up any almost any text there because there's uh, things in there that you should believe. There's things in there that you should do, and you can uh, in your prayer you can be asking God to confirm <laughs> those things that you should believe. And help you to do the things that you to do. So it's a it's a dialogue. It's it's part of it, as I said, it's part of growing in Christ, and uh, and, and it should be organic. I mean, there shouldn't be any. You shouldn't have to make yourself pray. It should be something that you're just doing. In fact, we are told to pray without ceasing. And how do we do that? Well, when the Word of God is starting to dwell in us richly from our reading, we're communicating those things back to the Lord in our in our thought and prayer life at all times. To juxtaposition, he, he was to tell us that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. You think about the story of Esther. Esther approaches the throne room of the king, and she's actually risking her life because if the king's in a poor mood or she approaches wrongly, she she can be put to death simply at the whim of a king. The throne of God is completely opposite of that for those who are in Christ. God is more than willing and ready and desires to commune with us and have us be in his presence. And And prayer is the, the way we practice going before the throne room of God, where we have full access to God's character and compassion to uplift not only our concerns, but also our desires for our life and, and to trust our Heavenly Father with those. When I first came to Boise, I would go to, to the church that I'm at and would work at the at the church in the morning, and then I would come home and just work at home in the afternoon. And after a little while, I, I realized I'm the only person ever at church, and so I'm just kind of going to church to work because I guess I thought I was supposed to, but there was really no benefit for it other than I was sitting alone in a building for a lot of hours. And so I decided to start working from home. And what I found was that as a result, I'm kind of in constant communication with my wife. Not big conversations, not, a, not even necessarily important conversations. We just have dialogues throughout the day. Um, little things that you would share that would be so unimportant that you would never call anybody up, that you would never you know, make a point to tell anybody else. But because you're around your spouse – we, we talk about it. We say it. And we've been married nearly 30 years, and what we've realized is that's what's so hard when you lose a spouse, mm-hmm. that you miss those little moments that are insignificant that you no longer have anybody to say those things to. And I think that this has helped me learn a little bit about prayer, this is really what prayer is, and I think that's what, what when Jonathan says that we're supposed to pray continuously, I, I think that's what kind of it means. Yeah. I think it's a just a, a, a mindfulness of the presence of God throughout our day, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's, well, you know, those one-sentence prayers as we go into a meeting or uh, just a mindfulness as we drive around the neighborhood and appreciate the beauty of creation and, and utter thanks be to God. They're just little moments. I think one of the practical ways, too, is in the moment when you're ministering to someone or you're, you're meeting with someone and they share a burden— Man, take that moment to pray right then and there. You know, don't don't give them the "I'll pray for you" and and, and walk away. But but take that moment to just just pray and, and invite God's presence, which is already there, to to be among you. Years ago, I had a, a gentleman that had come to our church, and we were talking after the service, and he 
just in passing had said, are, are there things specifically that I could pray for you and your family? Yeah. And I thought he was just doing that to take that down as a list then to pray for me as, as he left. So I shared some things for myself and my family, and then he instantly started to pray, pray right there in that mm-hmm. moment and kind of took me off guard like, oh, we're talking right now. That's right. Um, and it took me off guard, but there was something about it that I'm like, no, I think you are actually onto something. I have um, a friend like that that'll call me up, and he, before he even hangs up the phone, he's he has asked that question. He wants to pray for me, and he, <laughs> and and that what makes that possible is he really bleeds the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you yeah. know he just he, you know he's immersed in in God's word, and this is the part of the tie in prayer and the word of God together, and. His prayers are so rich. I, you know, it, it humbles me to hear him pray in that way. And you know what it does, too? It actually encourages me to ask the same question of him mm. and then return the favor. This, the last part of our show today, I, I want to just center on this idea. What are some helpful strategies for pursuing both prayer and Bible reading that will not be discouraging or overwhelming or create a sense of false guilt. So put on your pastor's hats and help the listener to... Well, I know a lot of people make resolutions at this time <coughs> that they're going to read the Bible through in a year, or you know, and they might have a Bible reading plan. And I think that in some ways, you know, one of the, the challenges is to that is, you know, life is happening uh, at a rapid rate, and then they and then they do feel guilty. So if you do have a a Bible reading plan, uh, you know, mark out the dates on it and just check the boxes as you read. Don't worry about how fast or how slow you're reading, but just the nice thing about having a plan is knowing where to pick up the next time. Yeah, I think that's helpful. We 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 tend not as as creatures to drift toward discipline. And so I think that would be a, just to have a plan. Any any plan is better than no plan, and then work the plan and, and allow yourself to have grace. And, and check the box. Check the box. You know, when I say it helps you know where to go back to in that yep. passage. I think that sometimes, oh, I'm going to read through the book of John. I get through the book of John, and then I go, what am I going to read next? Yep. Well, the plan helps you to work through things systematically. I think, I think a helpful sentiment is these plans are servants not masters yes mm-hmm. and when you make them a master then that's when you get into the to the place of false guilt um, shame discouragement where you get this sense of i'm a failure why bother mm-hmm. um, no it, it is good it don't you know it's always good to bother but no i mean jonathan said a couple days ago you know remember that we're dust we're, we're, our tendency is towards struggle, yeah. towards failure. Towards yeah, we, make, we make the perfect the enemy of the good. It's good that you desired to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's good that you had have made plans in the past to read the Bible. It's good for you to get back into it. You may not do it perfectly. You may not fill the half hour or the 15 minutes that you thought you were going to do. But it is it is good, you know. Even even with Dave, King David, you know, it was good that you had it in your heart to build this. But God had a different plan for that day. Yeah. Uh, ESV's come out with a great tool. I think um, it's one of the ones I'm using this year is the Chronological Bible, and it's arranged in 365 readings. 
So um, my goal is not to get through it this year, but to just get through it. And mm-hmm. so the nice thing is, as Jonathan said, I've got the little ribbon in the Bible. So right now, you know, it's the, the, the 9th of January. Well, I happen to be on day five, but I'm not worried about it. I don't feel like there's this great burden or God's upstairs looking down on me with a clipboard going, oh, man, he should really have those those other eight days done already. I We, as a family, every night we try to do family worship to close the day with. And during the month of December, we, we try to do an Advent devotional together. Well, you know what? Most years we finish that in the first week of January. So you know what we did this year? We started in the last week of November so that we could actually finish our Advent devotional by Christmas. And we did, mm-hmm. but we kind of had to cheat to do it. But we would say is we built in grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we built in some days that we said, you know what, we probably aren't going to get to everything or get to this every day. Mm-hmm. But we just moved the marker. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we, we are not worried about the dates. We're worried about the, or the idea of we want to be in God's word and we want to worship together at night and pray at night. And it's a tool, not a master. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's the inclination of the heart in that direction. Yeah. And what I would say is also be reasonable in your expectations. Start small. Mm-hmm. A little is better than a lot that derails. Mm-hmm. Little steps, baby steps, and foster an idea of communion. And if it's something that you're trying to develop a habit, of, habit about, you know, they say it takes 21 days to establish a habit. Um, mm-hmm. Give yourself a month. Give yourself uh, that much time to establish those habits of the, that you're going to be continuing. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life, and we'll see you next time.